Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, uh, James McLamb, and I'm joined today by my friend from out in Colorado, Mr. Evan. How are you doing, Evan? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to see you. How are things out in your state today? Rainy. It's been rainy for the past week. Well, since I'm overweight to North Carolina, because we're starting to heat up here and it's uh, beginning to be a little dry, which is concerning to some people. Will do. Don't like it. Well, Evan, today uh, you and I had the great opportunity to interview a mental game coach. Now, we're going to define what mental toughness is and why you need a mental game coach during this interview, but Miss Tammy Matheny, um, this is a great interview. She works primarily with athletes and teams to help them develop mental toughness, but she was very, very clear on the fact that she's not just teaching mental toughness, she's teaching life skills that are actually more beneficial in the long run to youth in academics, in their social aspects, in work aspects, that it translates all across the board. I really, really enjoyed this interview. What was one of the takeaways that you had from this interview? One of the biggest takeaways I got was this is good. So many negative emotions affect us every single day in our everyday lives, whether it's financial issues, relationship issues, maybe a mechanical issue with your car. Mental toughness is being able to block out those negative emotions and keep on rolling. And that's something that she really did a great job explaining. It was a great concept. We, we really went deep into uh, what we were talking about. Um, a lot of depth of knowledge, parents, coaches, anyone involved with sports, you're really going to want to bookmark this and share it with your friends. And, and if you're sitting there and you're listening to us, you're saying, hey, I don't have an athlete in my house. You still need to listen to this because the concepts that she talks about translate to any aspect of a, of a use life. And there are a lot of free resources and resources uh, on how to connect with her that you're going to need to look at in the show notes. So Let's stop talking and let's go straight to our interview with Tammy Matheny, mental game coach. Tammy, welcome to the Gen Z show. I want to I want to thank you for being our guest today and really uh, providing some expertise in an area that that I really want to examine really deeply, but before we go into that topic, would you mind introducing yourself to our Gen Z audience so they will get a, uh, an opportunity to get to know who you are? Sure. Uh, first of all, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to this opportunity to talking to you guys. Uh, I'm Tammy Matheny. I'm a mental game coach and I own Refuse to Lose Coaching. And I get, I tell everybody I have the best job in America. I get to watch sports, talk about sports, work with athletes on building all of the intangibles. Um, you know, I, I believe that athletes spend so much time on the physical part that the mental part's often overlooked. Um, but why I have such a passion for it is sports is the vehicle, but what I do is teach life skills and it can be applied to anything in life. So uh, I, I love 
hopefully seeing the difference I make in someone five, 10 years from now. So that's kind of my why of why I do my job and, you know, think it's the best job in America. You describe yourself on your side as a mental coach and really mental toughness. Define what you think mental toughness is, what you would see mental toughness as so that our audiences understands what we're talking about as we go forward. And I'm glad you asked that because I think that those words mental toughness are thrown out. Hey, be mentally tough. And okay, but what does that mean in defining it for our youth? But my definition that I use, I've broken it down very simple. But to me, mental toughness is nothing more than what you focus on. So the more we choose what we focus on, the tougher we can get. If I'm focusing on pain I'm feeling, then I'm becoming weak. If I'm focusing on what's not happening, then I'm getting more negative. And instead, learning to focus on what is good instead of the bad, even if it might be one thing. And that starts to develop mental toughness. You ever have one of those aha moments when someone says something? When you <laughs> said that, you know, before the, before the call, we were, we were chatting, I was telling you that I might start talking about this, is that I just went to a football banquet last night uh, for my son. And I was wondering as I was sitting there, what was the difference between those athletes? You know, what was making some tough and, and some not tough as the coaches were talking about it? What was making some that were very good athletes, but because they had that mental aspect of their game, it made them elite athletes, where others who may have more skill were not as tough. You just need to read what you focus on. That's, that's, that's brilliant. Someone's probably watching this and they're, and they're starting there right now. They're saying, okay, I don't have a kid who's an athlete, so I'm going to cut this off. Let's keep them in the conversation real quickly. Right. This is not just for athletes. This is just oh, translates no. to anything else. Tell them how it can, how it can go to school and, and work and, and even relationship building. Well, well again, like I said, I, I use sports as the vehicle, but usually the difference I make with athletes I work with is in academics or socially developing more confidence. Um, and I do a little work outside of athletics, but these are just skills that successful people have and work at. So again, sports is the vehicle, but the messages that I like to talk about transcend the, the sporting environment. Evan, as an athlete, you any of this ring, bell, ring a bell with you? Absolutely. No, one of the most important things I see is maybe an injury or a missed call or something can completely change the way that somebody views a game. But the person that always can keep their head with tunnel vision that they can only see the goal will be twice as good as the person that's worrying about everything else around them. Very well said. So when you're starting work with someone and you're starting to coach them and you're, and you're helping them get started, what, what are some of the steps that you get them to, to help them focus on what they need to focus on? Did that question make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, it looks different with every client or every team that I work with. But one piece that I put in somewhere near the beginning is the concept of this is good. And I took it from an African uh, folktale. And yeah, I can share the story if you'd like, but the whole yes. idea. Okay. I love st telling stories. I call it Tammy time. Um, but there was a king in Africa. And he had his best friend that he kept with him wherever he went because the best friend could remind him when things weren't going well, this is good. 
and he was always able to put a positive spin on things. Well, they go hunting one day, and he loads the king's rifle for him. Well, it backfires and blows the king's thumb off. So the king is irate, throws his best friend in jail. All the way to jail, the best friend is like, this is good. This is good. When he gets to jail, the other guys in jail are like, you're an idiot. This isn't good. Your best friend just threw you in jail. Nope, this is good. Fast forward, he's in jail still for a year and a half. And the king goes out on another hunting party. Well, they're captured by a band of cannibals that are going to kill them and eat them one by one. But they were extremely superstitious and did not believe in killing anything that wasn't whole. They saw the king, didn't have a thumb. They let him go. He's like, oh my gosh, my best friend saved my life. He rushes back to the prison, gets down on his knees. Please, please, please forgive me. The best friend, of course, says, this is good. The king says, yes, it was good for me. You saved my life, but I've wasted a year and a half of your life. And the best friend said, no, this is good. For had I been with you, I could have been killed and eaten. Now, I, I tell that story very early on. And I, I like to preface, hopefully that's a little bit more dramatic than what we have to deal with academically, job-wise, athletic-wise. But the concept, when I read that story 12 years ago, just resonated with me. And it has made a positive impact professionally, personally, you know, in my life. So I like to challenge athletes or students, all right, what is good about the bad call? Instead of focusing, oh my gosh, we just got cheated. What is good about that? Okay, what is good about a loss? Um, what is good about an injury? And trying to get them to shift their mind to when bad things happen, you know, a typical response is the poor me or this is unfair. And so then we've kind of killed ourselves mentally of being able to overcome and rise above. But if you can keep that mind open, like the best friend did, nothing was ever good or bad, really. It, it was what it was. If we can do that, then we stay alive mentally to allow something probably different, but maybe even better to occur the next play, next year, next season, two years from now, maybe. We don't know when, but again, it's just the mindset of, all right, there was a reason for this happening. My focus is on what can I do right now to make something better? Wow, That is powerful. This is good. I mean, I... I I live it and breathe it. I wear it on my wrist every day. I've written a book about it. So, I mean, it, it has just, it's changed my life. I love that story. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, do you look like you were about to say something? Are you, uh, what is the most important piece of advice that you would give an incoming freshman that's about to start their athletic journeys? I think it's, it's learning to stay in the moment. I, I think too often, especially if we're a freshman coming in and academically or athletically, um, we might shift our focus to what we were in high school, or we might be thinking ahead, maybe to the next year, next semester, or athlete might be thinking of they're already starting, having a starting position or something. And we get too far ahead or we hang on to the past. And I'm a firm believer that, and, and you guys can challenge me, my clients like too often, and that's fine, but it, I believe that it's almost impossible to have a negative emotion, lack of confidence, frustration, irritability, um, just negativity, but it's hard to have those emotions if we are in the present moment. 
because they all come from thinking about a past event, even if that was in the last minute, the last play that happened, or from thinking ahead and starting to get filled with dread and anxiety. Hmm. I, oh, that I makes agree. a lot of sense. Just think like somebody that may have missed a buzzer beat or something like that, and they let that affect them into their next couple of games or a real life example, maybe financial stress that be, could be coming a year or two from now. That makes a lot of sense. And, and if they have that, this is good mentality and learn from it, then they're probably setting themselves for something better later on. Um, you know, but if they hang on to it and, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened, then they've killed themselves mentally. You know what? I think of mental toughness too. I, I think for me, the term often talks about like the discipline people have in the preparation before they're actually, you know, not how they respond to a situation like Evan was, was discussing, but how they prepare themselves. Uh, you know, that football back last night when they were talking about the kids who were their top, they didn't necessarily talk about their feats on the field during the game as much as it was what they were doing to prep beforehand. So how, how, is a, how would you advise a parent who has a child who is, is just not disciplined you know, it doesn't have that mental discipline, whether it's for academics or athletics. You know, what steps could you suggest to help that parent prepare that child? Well, that's a big question. I just, when I said that, I was like, what? <laughs> but it's a common question. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's a frequent question that I get. And I, I hate to say I don't have the standard answer for this is how every single child is going to respond to it. Because I, I think there's, Obviously, all of our brains respond and react differently, but the framework is finding out what motivates that child and how do you, it, it's almost like positive manipulation. That sounds bad, but it's how do we positively manipulate the athlete, the child to do what's in their best interest. Um, I am really big on helping our youth really find their why. Why are they going to school? Why are they playing that sport? And helping them, not giving them the, the answers, not mom or dad's why, but their why. And then where do you want to go with that? And then helping them, okay, your actions aren't matching your why or where. Or, hey, let's talk about, the you know, we can put together a game plan of how we're going to get to your where. Um, then I'm really big on having, I'm big on visuals, so I need visuals to keep me motivated. Um, you know, creating a vision board. There's days, there's days I don't want to do my job, but I have a vision board of what I want to achieve, and I look at it, oh yeah, that reminds me, and then I repeat my why every day, and so I think just simple steps like that, but you have to put in the foundation of really having some honest discussions of what, what does the child want to do? And often they don't know that, but starting those conversations can help help you toward that path. Mm. So how many sports do you help coach? Um, I'm open to any sport. I've done football, basketball, baseball, softball, golf, tennis, lacrosse, um, soccers, so about any sport, runners, and gymnast even. Does your teaching methods change up between any other sport or do they all stay pretty consistent between them? Not between sports, um, more between teams or individuals. Um, 
you know, sometimes the lingo obviously has to change. Um, you know, with a, a cheering team, I'm not using the same lingo as a hockey team where, you know, it might be a little more centered around mental toughness. Right. Um, but the concepts are the same. It's about helping them learn confidence and helping them change their focus to find that this is good. Um, but then you have, you know, individuals that it, you and I are different. You know, you might need something different than I need. Uh, so that that's where variety comes in. I noticed uh, one of the resources that you have, one of the books that you have, the four easy steps to build and maintain confidence. I almost feel like that's a, a, a lure to get folks in because you, we all know there's no easy steps to build and maintain confidence, but I want to, to give you an opportunity to share what that is so that if some of our audience is interested in that, they, they will be able to find that resource. Well, I want to tell you the backstory first, if that's okay. Cause, oh, wonderful. Yes. Um, it, it was really a selfish reason why I wrote the book. Um, I really struggled with confidence in high school and college. And if you saw me on the outside, you wouldn't have believed that. Yeah, you were um, a college athlete too, right? Right, I was. And had relatively you know, good success. Um, the success I did have was from confidence, but I was on what I call the roller coaster of confidence. I didn't have that sustainable confidence. Good shot, good game, I'm up here. Bad shot, bad game, or a bad comment from a coach, down, up, down, up, down. And it was exhausting. Um, so I started, you know, out of college, I was like, there's got to be a better way to life. And I just started like researching what do confident people do and studying them um, informally, you know, as I did other work. And then I became a, a collegiate tennis coach. And I started trying to apply, again, without any re rhyme or reason, ways to help them with confidence. Um, so that's kind of what led to it. But one thing in school, I made pretty good grades, except for anything involved in writing. And teachers all the time, yeah, your writing really needs some work. Great content, great material. And I worked really hard on this book report because I wanted to just like show I could do it. And my English teacher gives it back to me with a big fat F in red on it and says, too good to be yours. Um, basically accusing me of cheating. And it just like, what, it, what I allowed it to do with my confidence is what I want to prevent others from allowing. And it just became this chain around my ankle. I don't write. I can't write. And it was like I was staying in my comfort zone. So then I started becoming a speaker, a coach. Um, didn't mind standing up in front of thousands of people, but not going to write a blog. Not going to write, you know, even a long social media post by any means because I don't write. And had a coach challenge me, um, you need to have a written book or material. So when you're not here, nope, I don't write. He said, well, I think I might need another mental coach then because, um, you, you know, a good mental coach would be telling us to step outside our comfort zone. Ooh. Ooh. So I said, <laughs> okay, good point, good point. And Ooh. so I started the journey of, uh, of writing. It started off on some other subjects. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to write what, if I had to just stand up without any preparation, what I would talk about. And I'm going to write it how I would talk. Give a short concept, give a story of how it's helped someone else, and then give four or five ways to put it into, you know, play in your life. So it's an easy read. The four steps, again, I use a little bit of the time to describe it and share stories. And then here are some exercises to start applying in your life. 
Um, those four steps are, I call it talk to talk, all of the thoughts that we have throughout our day. Um, then our body language, I call that walk the walk. And to me, your body language and your talk are teammates. If I carry myself a little bit bigger, it's sending messages to my brain to be a little more confident. If I'm slouched, then I'm becoming a little, my brain's getting those messages that I'm not as confident. Um, so it, an analogy I use in the book is, and I'm gonna ask you and Evan, let's pretend that this is a hundred dollar bill. You two are, you know, you're, you're tough guys. So could you cry on demand for that hundred dollars? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. About a thousand, a thousand dollars. Yeah, a little you're bit at least more. We're, we're, yeah. we're starting to get a little bit up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm gonna I'm give it a good try. I don't, I don't have so, my acting skills is that good. But but if or, or let's say it's a million dollars, you are set for life if you can cry on demand. So maybe you can, maybe you can't. But how would you try? How would I try to cry? I, mm -hmm. Obviously, I would think about something that was incredibly sad for me, something that would put me in that sad place. Ed? Uh, I'd probably agree. I'd think of some family member, something like that, that maybe I'd be missing that's far away, just something sentimental. And what do you, you might not be aware of it, but as you're thinking those thoughts, what do you think your body language is, is looking like? Probably collapsed down a little bit. Just a little bit like, crunched up, maybe a little somber. Yeah, exactly. So those two things together can help you create that mood. Now, a little bit easier. I'm going to give you this $100. You've had the worst day in your life. But I'm going to give you this $100 if you can start being happy. How would you do it? Stand up a little bit taller. Raise your shoulders a little bit. Think about all the fun I'm going to have with that $100. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, those are just two examples. If I want to be confident before I play, I'm getting in a confident body language and I'm thinking confident thoughts. So we really, humans have the ability to create any emotion that we want. We just often choose to go with how we feel instead of trying to change it for how we need to be. Um, so to me, those are the two most powerful. Uh, the third one is what I call see it, be it. And that's the image you have of yourself. One of the first exercises I have athletes do to write what the confident, their confident self looks like. And then I want them to read it every morning and just kind of plant that seed of what they're confident at their best, what they look like. Um, then under see it be it, it also includes visualization and just putting it, getting in extra reps that way. And then last, and you've already re referenced it, James, but Preparation. Really hard to be confident when you haven't put in the work. But that's not just the physical work. That's the mental work. That's taking care of yourself emotionally and taking care of your body. So a lot goes into that preparation. How often do you run into times where you're, you're asked to coach a potential athlete or a student? And it's really coach or parent driven. And the student is really not motivated to be there. How, how do you handle that? Uh, I'm just Picking your brain on that one there. So, Well, it, it happens. So when the parent's the one that reaches out, I have an initial conversation with the parent that, have you talked to your athlete? Are they bought into it? If not, then we kind of 
have a game plan of what maybe they could say of, hey, it's not, I think you're crazy. It's I'm trying to give you another resource uh, to strengthen you even more. Um, but, I, but I make sure to let them know that chances are this is not going to be effective if the athlete's not bought in. So it's going to waste both our time and it's going to waste your money. And I, I say that up front. And then I like to have a, what I call meet and greet with athlete, 10, 15 minute phone conversation or Zoom and just let them fill me out and see if they're comfortable in talking to me. Because if they're not comfortable talking, then it's not going to work either. Um, and then letting the athlete, hopefully, you know, the athletes bought in a little more or hopefully they have the courage to say, no, mom, that's not going to work. I could see that concept not only being with a parent, you know, trying to promote that, but an AD or a booster club member trying to get you to be the coach for the, their favorite team or a team at their school and the coach is not bought in. Hey, I don't, I don't it, need this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the coach isn't bought in, it's not working because I've had coaches that way. They're like, here, here you go. And they walk away. They never even, which is okay. I, sometimes I like just having a team because sometimes the team responds more. But a coach that never then wants to know, be filled in what was talked about or try to you know, use it in practices or anything, then you're just like, this isn't going to be very effective. Well, I know that you uh, are certified through John Gordon, who I think is probably, you know, we're based off of Zig Ziglar's principles. And I think Gordon is probably the closest thing to Mr. Ziglar that we have um, out currently. I mean, we have a lot of good leadership teachers and stuff, but his attitude concepts, and his concepts on having an attitude, a positive attitude towards teams are just, uh, you know, you, you, they buy into it. I mean, you know, it's, it's just wonderful. And a lot of it deals with coaches' language and parents' language and, and you know, the mindset they has too. That's, that's just powerful uh, going forward on that. Evan, you look like you want to jump in. Look, um, <laughs> do you think that COVID has affected the mental toughness of athletes? Ooh. Yes, good and bad. Uh, you, you know, I did a Zoom uh, early on. I, I guess it was probably May of last year because I had so many athletes and teams just struggling. What do we do? How do we handle this? And, it, you know, some of, some of my best moments are just on the spot without preparing or planning. And I thought, you know what? This is going to be the great separate. And, and there's going to be three groups of, of athletes, of students, of, of professionals, and some that, oh my gosh, my job or my sport has been taken away from me or it's changed so much, poor me. Then there's going to be those that were like, whew, I get to be lazy. I can be, you know, a sloth on the couch and take some time off and relax. And then there's that group of how can I use this to set me apart? And, and I think you're finding that in the business world. Sometimes that's where the best inventions happen during a trying time. And that's where some of your greatest, you know, athletes are created during the, you know, when they're challenged. And so, yes, I'm seeing some that it's really improved their mental health and their confidence. And then, you know, there, there's many that, that it has really taken a toll on. Now, I, I want to preface that and say that it may have hurt someone's mental health and they weren't one of the first two. I get that. I know that. Um, I, I've had moments of struggle myself. So I, I don't want to seem demeaning to those that have struggled. Um, and to me, it's not a weakness to struggle. It's a weakness to stay struggling without Ooh. trying to help and change. That, that reminds me of Mr. Ziegler's quote where he says, you don't drown by falling in water. 
you drown by staying in it. Right. <laughs> get up and get out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You're giving me flashbacks here. My dad was a Zig Ziglar man, and we would be driving in his car when I was a little girl with the little cassette tapes of Zig Ziglar. So I'm really dating myself there with cassette tapes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's my first exposure to it, but I guarantee you, even though I, you know, run a generation Ziggler, I guarantee you, you and I have not been ex exposed to as much Zig Ziglar stuff as Evan has, because his dad used to work for Mr. Ziggler. And I, I, right. I'm sure, you know, Evan was listening to it, you know, before he was born. I'm sure his mother was walking around the house. Oh, yeah. No, I, I met him when I was like one. My dad would cart me around all of his events. And my first little book of big quotes when I was four. That's awesome. Wow. You didn't, you didn't have a choice but to come out motivated and positive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't. I like those groups that you put in the poor me group, kind of the slacker group. And then how do I use this to get better group? Cause I saw that last summer when, you know, in North Carolina, the, for the football team that I was associated with through my son, you know, they all summer were unsure what was going to happen. Cause you know, North Carolina was not telling them cause nobody knew. I mean, it was really nobody's fault. Nobody knew whether they were going to play or not going to play. And so we offered up a, a local gym that I'm affiliated with, offered up an opportunity for the athletes to come at a reduced charge and have a class just specifically for them. And last night at the banquet, I was sitting back watching the 15 that I knew that enrolled. Five of them were all conference. And the others, two of the others were injured throughout this season and really didn't get a chance to showcase anything. They got injured, so they, they missed most of the season. And the rest of them were rising freshmen, and they can't be all anything. I mean, they're just there. But two of them were recognized as being, you know, top of their team. So only one out of that entire group uh, did not do anything. And when I say that, I mean, he, he, he decided not to play at all. Uh, I think, you know, the delay, he just lost his thing. So – they use that time. They were part of that. How do I use this to get better group? And, and if you looked at every single team or, you know, academically even, or business people, that there are people definitely that set themselves apart during that time. But it was thinking outside the box of, you know, how do I use the equipment at home to mm -hmm. lift weights? You, you know, yeah, I, I had to reinvent my job. And again, I, I was one of those, I had a poor as me moment early on. Again, I, I'm not perfect and I have to use my stuff on myself, you know, every day as well. But I had a poor as me moment of, I can't meet with my teens. And then probably 90% of my job before COVID was in person. Mm -hmm. And I had not really embraced, you know, the, the Zooming as much. And I had a great friend again, he, he said, hey, what's your why? I was like, my why is to make a difference and reach as many people. Well, I think you're missing the boat, though, because I think you can reach more people on Zoom and you're just having a pity party. I said, yeah, you're right. And so once I thought, OK, I got to start thinking outside the box and Zoom and how can I grow from this? Man, it, it, it's really paid off. And, and again, it, it's a mindset. It is so easy to focus on what we don't have. And, and you might be one of my favorite quotes is, do you want to be right or successful? And you mm -hmm. may be right. And it is unfair. And COVID was unfair. It was a chat. It's been a challenge for all of us. But the successful people are the ones that turn to, instead of the poor me, just focused on what's one thing I can do to become successful.
and just trying to stay in that moment, do that one thing, move on. I call it win the moment. Mm. Evan, did you notice over her shoulder there, the book, This Is Good's on the shelf? <laughs> I do see that now. I didn't even notice that. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't even care about how I threw it talking. I was like, what is that behind her? What does that say? <laughs> that good product placement. I like that. This is good. <laughs> Well, that's a line I'll definitely see myself using. This is good. That is powerful. It, I mean, it really is. And it's such a, it, you know, again, you have three groups when you tell the story. Some roll their eyes and say, oh, it's cheesy. Then you get those that kind of are like, oh, that's cute. I'm going to try to use it. Then you get those, no, I'm going to use it to make a difference. I, I like that. I love all of these concepts that we have. I love the, those steps that we have. Uh, that, that you've had. If, if our audience, parents, uh, teachers, coaches, athletes, if they wanted to connect with you, how can they do that? What's the best way for them to find you? Um, my website, it's r, the number two, lc.com. That just stands short for refuse to lose coaching.com. Um, I'm pretty active on social media with Twitter. Um, at Tammy Matheny. That one is pretty much just dedicated to confidence tips and suggestions. And then at R2L Coaching is kind of the entire mindset, leadership, teamwork, unity, anything positive, motivational. Um, Instagram, it's all spelled out, refuse the number two, lose coaching. Um, I also on Facebook have a parents and the mental game. It's just dedicated to parents and helping them help their children. Um, so, and then I have a, this is good Facebook group too. That just you actually do coach to... oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying you actually are coaching parents as well, not just the athletes, yes. but parents as well. Oh yeah. Wow. yeah. And, and some of my clients are the, are the parents. You know, it's maybe the child doesn't want to be, or the, the parent realizes, well, I need to change. Hmm. That's interesting. So how much do you think starts, for, is that for you, you teaching the parents, then it just trickles down to the kids? So you're saying that it all starts at home from there or? I, I don't know if I want to say it all, but I think it's you, your parents. We learn so much when we're young and modeling their behavior, how they talk, or when we make the decision, we don't want to be like them. But yeah. our parents impact us so much as do coaches or teachers. Um, so it's, you know, I can't say that's definitely the answer, but that's one piece of the puzzle. And, and so the more I get the parent, um, instead of saying, hey, be confident, why aren't you confident? Giving them one way to be confident. Um, and that's one of the biggest things I've learned. I made the mistake as a coach, telling my athletes to be confident. All that does is create more frustration and anxiety because it's not like they're trying not to be confident, it's, but they don't know how. So, you know, that's wow. one of the first pieces of advice is of telling a parent, instead of, hey, be confident, give them one thing if they do will help them with confidence, like your body language. That's something simple to focus on that can help. Or I call it P-square, change your self-talk to P-square, positive or productive. Um, and if they're setting the example, and again, I, I do a monthly thing for parents on a recruiting website. And you know, one parent is like, how do I get my kids to eat better and sleep better? And I said, well, what are your habits? And th their habits were horrible. Well, we, again, we learn from our parents. So 
if you want your child to be positive, be confident, then you can't come home complaining about your boss. Are they going to come home complaining about their coach? Um, and again, I know every family's different, but I, but I see that a lot, you know, generalized. Mm. Interesting. I, I would think parents that have multiple kids. You know, I got two, my two oldest are both athletes. My youngest is still coming along. You know, hasn't really found her what she wants to to do when she's trying a variety of different things. But the two oldest, and they were so different in the way that their mental game was approached. The oldest, so tough, so disciplined, you know, did swimming, was extremely successful, all state and things, uh, was on the All American uh, uh, relay team, you know, very disciplined on what they did. My son, very gifted, very talented, but not as tough mentally. I hope he doesn't watch this. <laughs> you know, so that's where, that's why I didn't want to say definitely yes to Evan. Because I think we, we also learn from our siblings. Um, I had a twin and he was, had more natural, I have a twin, not have, but he had more natural athletic ability than I had. But I was focused, determined. He hated to like put him to practice. And I started having more success for a female than he had for a male. And then hearing that from other people or my parents without realizing it, and they were wonderful, positive, supportive people, but they would say, David, why aren't you more like Tammy? And, mm. and sometimes that comparison can just make a child like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just, I'm going to check out here. Um, but, you know, again, there's no, hey, this is, this is the game plan for every single individual, but just because of family dynamics, from environmental dynamics, from coaches or friends or, you know, everybody plays a part in our psyche, in our mindset. Mm. That's good. Tammy, thank you. Thank you for your time. All the uh, audience, all the resources that she mentioned, social media and her website, we're going to put in the show notes. If you guys will look straight down, hit show more, you're going to see all that information and direct uh, links that you can click and go straight to her site. Uh, also, I'm going to put down in the show notes a link to the book as well. Is that on Amazon? Both of the books are on Amazon, Confident yeah. Athlete and This Is Good. Um, right, one thing I do want to mention, I, I put out a free resource. It's called the Confident Calendar at the beginning of every month. And it just gives you one tip every day. Like Tuesdays, Talk to Talk Tuesday. Wednesdays, Walk to Walk Wednesday. So something about body language. Thursday is Thankful Thursday. So something about gratitude. And to me, it's confidence is built by what we say, do, and think on a consistent basis. So this calendar is to try to get people in the habit of just focusing on that one thing, and just slowly start building their, um, you know, their confidence, but coaches, parents, you know, I've had teachers that, Hey, when, when's this month's coming out? So it, it's been a popular resource. It's free. They can go to my website and scroll down to the bottom. There's a place to sign up for it or send me an email and I'll be glad to send out a calendar. Is there a way to do, uh, do a direct, uh, link that I can put in the show notes as well that way they can hit it right there and go straight to your yeah, site I can send that to you yes. yeah let's do yeah we'll do that and make it easy for them so they can go straight okay. to your site great provide idea as much, provide as much value for them as they possibly can so thank you again thank you Evan for this uh thank you audience uh for joining us remember to like comment and share and we'll be back again 
next week with another show on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.